welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. I stumbled into Yollywood in October 2019 and did just over 30 projects in my first year, including spending two months in a bubble for a Netflix movie called Red Notice. So I think I have something valuable to share for anyone who's interested in listening. Are you an up-and-coming background actor who wants to learn more? Listen in. I had a number of things go wrong one day on a project in January of 2021, so I recorded snippets that I had planned to put into other episodes, but I very quickly realized I had enough material for an entire episode. So this episode is dedicated to all the possible things that could go wrong, what's gone wrong for me, and how I addressed it. Clearly, it's not an all-inclusive list because there's probably an infinite number of things that could go wrong, and I alone have experienced only some of these. But by sharing my real-life stories with you, you'll get a sense of some of the challenges of working in the industry so you are better prepared to handle similar situations. Here's what I'm going to cover. 1. Parking issues. 2. Badges. 3. Health screenings. 4. Not getting meals. 5. Knowing when you're done. 6. Bad directions. 7. Being misdressed. 8. Not getting coffee. 9. A lack of lighting. and 10. No time to eat. And a real treat, my special guest, the Set Bell, makes a surprise appearance. We'll get started after the break. Hey, it's DJ, uh, recording live from Trolla Studios. It's Monday, January 11th, I believe, 2021. So just just wanted to let you know, sometimes there are real hiccups in the process. We got a very detailed email telling us exactly where to go and what to do um, last night. Basically supposed to go to a specific parking lot, um, the barn entrance. So I get there with plenty plenty of time to spare. It's supposed to be here at 8.30. I probably got in at 8.25. And lo and behold, the guard will not let me in because I don't have a badge. And she instructs me to go back to the main entrance of Trillith um, on Sandy Creek Parkway. And now I'm sitting here in a line of 15 cars uh, trying to get through security just to get a badge for the day, um, after which I will go back to the original parking lot and park there. So um, just a heads up, despite the best laid plans, sometimes things get missed and wreak havoc. Um, I did call the PA, Chris, and let him know, so he's aware, and um, that's basically uh, what happens. So uh, <laughs> uh just just a real life example of what can go wrong um even with the best intentions hey i'm back just to report on another massive uh hiccup today at trolla studios this is just as big as the badge issue so Um, I went back to the main entrance, as I was told, when I wasn't allowed to enter the parking lot, went back to the main entrance, got my badge, headed back to the parking lot, got in successfully the second time, drove all the way to the lot I was supposed to park in, big sign saying it was full, ignored it as everyone else did, parked my car, then I start looking around for the van, there's supposed to be a van to pick us up, take us to stage three, and all I see is people just walking out of the parking lot into this fenced area, So I stopped this woman who looked like she was part of the show with four children. And sure enough, she was looking for the van. So she asked me to call the PA. So I called Chris again. I said, look, we're in the parking lot. I don't see a van. What's going on? He's like, look, best thing you can do right now is forget about the van. Just walk to 
the stage and it's stage nine, it's not stage three. So I basically walked, it wasn't too far, it was probably a 10 minute walk, got to stage nine and as I'm approaching the building, I see these white tents outside and I'm like, oh no, I'm like, you know what? Nobody took my temperature. I probably can't just walk in this building. So I asked this woman outside and she said, oh, she said, you need to go back to the white tent in the parking lot across the street from where you get your main badge. And that's where they take your temperature and give you a, a wristband. And I'm like, but I was just there and nobody told me and blah, 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 blah. So she's like, well, I'm not even part of that department. So maybe you should go talk to these people. So I went to the white tents that were parked outside the building and Sure enough, they were doing COVID tests right there and I explained what had happened. And they said, oh no, you need to go back to the white tent in the parking lot across from the main entrance where you get the badge and that's where they take your temperature. And I said, look, I was just there and I parked my car and I walked all the way here from the parking lot because there was no van and nobody told me I needed to get my temperature taken. So they rounded up a handheld, whatever, therm thermometer thing that they shot at my head and they had wristbands, so they gave me one. So that was... Uh, that was mix-up number two, and just so you know, uh, there's more to come. Okay, so here's mix-up number three. Um, again, still at Trillith Studios, filming um, in January of 2020. And this is the second time this happened, because I worked on this project in early December, and I never got a meal, and nobody explained to me how the meals work, and the same thing happened again today. So it's approaching lunchtime, I don't know, it's probably two in the afternoon, and I start seeing some of the other background walking around with bags of food, and I pulled somebody aside, another standing person, and I said, how do you get food here? And he said, oh, there's an app. See that QR code on that white sign hanging on that cart right there? And I'm like, yeah, I saw that, and I scanned it, and I couldn't get anywhere because there's no internet in these buildings. It's horrible. You have to go outside. And it's like, yeah, you have to go to this website and you have to order it. But you have to do it within the first hour of the crew arriving. So basically, if the crew gets there at 8 in the morning, you've got till 9.30 to order your lunch. Otherwise, you're up the creek. And so I was up the creek. So I found Chris, the PA, once again. This is, I guess, the third issue I had today. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, let me, give me a minute. Let me go figure this out. So he never figured it out. And it didn't really matter. I went to Crafty once again. Somebody told me where Crafty was. And I just got some yogurt and some tuna fish and some veggie straws. And I was fine. Chris actually came over and apologized later in the day. And I'm like, it's no, no big deal. Now that I know how it works, I'll know what to do next time. But um, I guess the point I'm making here is things are not always going to go smoothly. And you have to be resourceful. And you have to figure out how to solve problems on your own. Because no one's going to be there holding your hand. Um, and what I also think I learned today was you can't expect them to tell you everything you need to know. You literally have to take it upon yourself to ask other people what's going on. How do I do this? You know, nobody told me something, so I kind of need to know. So um, that hasn't really been in, in the case, the case, sorry, in most of the productions I've worked on. But clearly on this, this particular one... Um, you really need to get out there and ask, otherwise you're just not gonna know. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. 
There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Okay, last communication issue for today. And again, we are at Trillis Studios, January 11th, 2021. So got there by 8.30 in the morning. It's 6 o'clock. And all of a sudden I hear clapping on the set and I'm like, oh, what's going on? I wonder if we're done. And then everybody kind of comes out and our PA Chris is like, okay, we're, we're all moving to stage three because we were at stage nine. And I'm like, okay, stage three, that's where we were supposed to start in the morning. So everybody packs their stuff up and I head outside and somebody's like, where is it? And they're like, oh, it's just, it's that building right over there. And you could literally see it. You could just walk across the parking lot and walk to stage three. So I almost did that. But I also noticed the vans pulling up and people getting in vans. So this van pulls up and I'm like, just instinctually, I followed this guy, Joseph, that I had been talking to, another stand-in, into the van. But before I climbed in, I said to the woman inside, I'm like, where's this van going? She's like, she's like, it's going to Vegas. She's like, just get in. So of course she was joking. I just got in and then I'm like, the driver's like, are you all going to blah, blah, blah or parking? And they're like parking and I'm like, and she's like, sir. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm like, Joseph. I'm like, are we done? He's like, yeah, we're wrapped. I'm like, okay. So that's how I found out I was done. It wasn't from the PA. It wasn't from anybody on set. It was from another stand-in who happened to be in a van that I was in. So for all I know, I could have ended up on stage three, sitting there for another two hours, which is exactly what happened in December when I got caught in Edgewood sitting around on Auburn Avenue for three hours because nobody told me what to do. So uh, luckily this time I asked and I got in the right van and I got to my car and I and I got home. So wasn't a very long day. Uh, what's 8.30 to, I don't know what it was, eight and a half hours, something like that. So um, again, you got to ask. Otherwise, you're not going to know what to do all the time. That's it. I know I said I had told my final story about what happened at Trillis, but I thought of something else that I just wanted to bring up. This isn't really a communication issue. Well, I guess it kind of is because it's a situation where due to lack of communication, you end up doing something that somebody there doesn't want you doing, or you end up being somewhere that somebody doesn't want you, that somebody doesn't want you to be somewhere that somebody doesn't want you to be. So electricity is probably the second biggest issue in these giant stage sets, whatever they call them because your phone's going to die and you need electricity to plug in your charger. So the rooms are really strange. There's all kinds of this weird equipment. It's like they bring in a, the electric company of the film industry and they, they basically build an electrical system for everything that needs to be powered in there. So there's boxes all over the place and plugs and all this stuff. But I'm, I'm walking around the perimeter of this whole um, stage building looking for a plug in the wall. And I finally found one, but it was way, 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 way in the back of the room where... I couldn't really see what was going on. I thought it's probably not safe to stand here because if they call um, team, 
sorry, team two, is that what we're called? Uh, sorry, second team is what the, the stand-up stand people are called. They call a second team to set, I'm not going to hear it, and I'm going to be MIA. So I ended up standing there anyway for about 20 minutes, but I kept unplugging my phone and kind of walking over um, to that part of the room so I could see what was going on. And eventually I said, I'm just going to find another plug. So I found a plug somewhere else. Um, it was next to this weird little area where there was literally these two director's chairs and one of them had a man's name on it and the other one said Kamala which I thought was funny because I'm like well clearly Kamala Harris isn't here but whoever this actress is she has the same first name as our soon-to-be vice president or our vice president elect I was like well that's pretty interesting and I almost took a picture but taking your phone out anywhere around the set is a big no-no so well actually not the phone itself but taking a picture is a big no-no um, I learned that some shows actually, at least this production, if you're stand-in, they let you keep your phone. If you're background, they don't. So that's one of the perks of being a stand-in. So I plug my phone in, I'm standing there for maybe 20 minutes, and this woman comes over and she's like, I hate to bother you, but do you think you could find another place to plug that in? Because, you know, if, they, if, if, if the actors come back here and you're kind of standing here, you're kind of going to be in the way, and because of COVID, you know, they don't really want you standing two feet away from her chair and all this. So I'm like, sure, no problem, whatever. So I just kind of walked away very politely and I found electricity somewhere else. Actually, this time in a box next to some kind of strange contraption that I was sitting on all day because lo and behold, there were no chairs. So I didn't have a chair and I didn't really feel like standing up all day. So I was sitting on this orange tractor thing and had my phone plugged in to something right next to it. So um, that's my electricity story. And that's my story about being in the wrong place at the wrong time and having somebody politely tell you um, to please move. So if you're lucky, they'll be polite about it. I've never had anybody be really nasty to me, so overall, um, it's a pretty um, it's a pretty friendly and polite um, industry to work in. Um, but just be aware: um, if nobody tells you where you're not supposed to be, you're probably going to end up at least once in your career where you're not supposed to be, and someone's going to tell you. Okay, it's Tuesday, January 12, 2021. I'm in the bowels of the Georgia World Congress Center getting tested for another production. And I just had to record this. It was such a maze finding this place. It's insane. I just got tested and I'm now heading back to my car in the red lot. I didn't leave breadcrumbs, but I should have. Red deck. Okay, so I guess I really can't share the signage. But it doesn't make any sense because you're not going to see this in podcasts. I can't even mention the name. So I'm not going to say it, but you're supposed to find the red deck off Magnum Street, but there was no Magnum Street that I found driving down Marietta. You basically go to the corner on Marietta Street where Stats, the sports bar is, and turn there down a street that turns you left into a maze that you drive through crossing railroad tracks. You see signs for everything but the red deck. I saw orange deck and diamond ruby deck, which I tried to get into, but their thingamajig reader wasn't responding to the barcode on my phone. So I turned around and headed back to the last intersection, and only then did I see in the far distance a very small sign with the code name of the project pointing straight ahead. So I followed that, took a left, and found the red deck, and pulled in all ready to show my barcode to the machine. But it too did nothing. And that's when a car pulled behind me, and I noticed that the gate was already open, so I pulled in. The guy behind me then yelled from his window that it's free when the gate is open. The email had said if the barcode doesn't work, you can still park there. That doesn't really mean anything to me. Does that mean I have to pay? Does that mean it's free? If I don't need a barcode to get in or out, then why did you give me one? 
So I parked my car right there, which was probably a mistake because I couldn't see any of the signs I was supposed to see in order to get into the Georgia World Congress Center. I walked up the ramp to level two and still saw nothing there. And then purely through serendipity, which is fancy talk for being in the right place at the right time, I saw in the distance on the right a person two stories below crossing the street where there was a sign pointing to where I was supposed to go. So I ran down the stairs and passed him and found the door I was looking for. Once inside, the trail was pretty clear until I got to an intersection. The testing sign was on the left, as if I was supposed to turn, but the testing tables were actually on the right, around the corner. So if you were too stupid and didn't look both ways, you would have missed them. At the check-in table, I politely told them how bad the directions were and asked if others had had trouble finding them. Their response was a cross between lackluster and I've smoked too much pot to even begin to understand the English language, so I'm just going to stare at you with a glazed look like a donut. Okay, the test was quick. I asked the woman in the white bunny suit if it was self-administered, and she said no, and then asked if I knew how to do it. When I told her I had been tested 70 times, she handed me the stick, as if I'd only be happy if I did it myself. But it was just one nostril, not two. Everyone does this differently, and I don't know why. I was able to find my car pretty easily back at level one of the parking deck, but there were no exit signs. So it wasn't at all clear how to get out. Worst case scenario, I had planned to just drive out the entrance. But first I drove up the ramp to the next level, saw no exit signs, and decided to turn around and go back down. When I got there, I discovered a small lane that allowed me to drive to the exit side and make a very sharp left turn into the exit lane where the gate was closed, but it immediately opened for me. Mission accomplished. I was very happy to not have to wait one minute in a line. The challenge today was entirely limited to finding the place. The Georgia World Congress Center continues to baffle me, so just be warned if you have to park there for anything. It's the most complicated underground maze-like thing I have ever seen, and I can't fathom why it was designed the way it was. Come to think of it, I first experienced this a year ago when I had to park there for the Tomorrow War, and then again for MacGyver. Oh, it's all coming back now. Ironically, on my way home, I ended up on Magnum Street, which I couldn't for the life of me find on the way in. I was wrong. It does exist, but it's off International Boulevard, not Marietta Street. Then getting back to 20 East from Castleberry Hill was another maze, but I found it. I shouldn't throw them under the bus and won't mention their name, but this particular casting company has the absolute worst directions to everything. I did a movie called Wally's Wonderland almost a year ago. When I got to the set address, there was nothing there. I drove in circles for 30 minutes trying to find the place, leaving frantic voicemails for them, which weren't returned in time. I finally saw a white van in a parking lot and flagged the driver down. Yes, he was taking people to set, and yes, the address they had given me was completely wrong. The company did finally reach me later in the day, and their only response was that they just send out whatever the production company gives them. I had to wonder how much energy and emotion people such as me had wasted that morning just trying to find the place. It boggles my mind. So sorry, I keep thinking I'm done with this episode, but then I go on other jobs and things go wrong and I feel compelled to tell you about them. So in the spirit of things that can go wrong, here are the four things that went wrong today. I did a job that filmed in the Georgia World Congress Center. Um, So the first thing that happened was I was actually cast to be a food cart vendor. They had three um, carts set up outside a fake hospital where people were having lunch. Coffee cart, Chinese food, and a deli. So 
At the very last minute, wardrobe says, we're short on doctors, so we're going to dress you up like a doctor instead. So I put on my three-piece suit, one of four outfits that I bought. In the end, I only wore one of them. Um, gave me a lab coat. We all lined up outside for the first scene, and lo and behold, they're short of food cart vendors. There's one guy dressed to be a food cart vendor, and they've got three carts. So I basically have to run in the building and change into something more appropriate for the food cart vendor. No big deal, but that's never happened before. Um... Kerfuffle number two was another coffee situation. We're all penned up in this extra holding room and I see people outside coming back in with coffee and there's a coffee tea cart outside the room. So I go get in line and this woman approaches me and says, are you crew? And I'm like, no. And she's like, who are you here with? And I explain that I'm background and she proceeds to tell me that background can't just wander around here and needs to be escorted by the PA Joe. So she takes me back to the room and I'm like, okay, that's fine, whatever. And Joe is nowhere to be found. He finally comes into the room with Dominique and says, Dominique is going to escort you guys out to the coffee cart only five at a time. So we don't have a COVID issue going on there with too many people. So Dominique takes us out there. I'm the first, of course, in line. And as we get out there, Lisa from Health and Safety shows up and there's a big commotion. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, they can't come out here. That's too many people. Why don't we take them back to the room and I'll take their coffee orders and I will come out and get the coffee for them. So we go back to the room. This is my second trip back to the room. And I don't even bother sitting down because Lisa just said she was going to take her coffee orders. So Lisa disappears and she never comes back. So she never takes her coffee orders and we never get coffee from the coffee cart. Um, which is fine because I think I've missed this before. You should bring your own. And I brought my own and I had it in a temperature controlled water bottle. So I just drank that, which was fine. Um, the third mix up was once we were done with scene one, they took us to a whole different part of the building to film a restaurant scene and we had to change in the bathrooms. Well, there was no electricity. So we're in the bathrooms trying to change and do our business. Fortunately, I didn't have to change. My foot was fine. So all I had to do was um, stand at the urinal in the dark, but most people just whipped out their phones and brought up the flashlight app or something. But it was a little bit strange trying to finagle our way through a pitch, pitch dark bathroom. And then the fourth incident had to do with dinner once again. I would not count on a meal. They told us in our email last night, eat before you arrive. And that's probably because you have no idea when you're going to be fed, if you're going to be fed. So at about six o'clock, they took, I guess, the last 10 of us that hadn't eaten lunch yet. This PA woman like leads us across this giant lobby. And as we get to where we're supposed to get to, all of a sudden she stops and turns around and heads us right back. And I'm like, does this woman know where she's going? Like, is she just lost or what's going on here? Because um, the food stuff has a big arrow pointing outside and she's not even taking us outside. So I don't know what's going on here. Well, they needed us back on set immediately. So we didn't get to eat. And then an hour later when they did bring us out to eat, they did take us outside, which was the correct place to take us. I was second or third in line, got my meal, headed back was able to eat. However, the people at the end of the line barely got back to the tables, had about a bite or two to eat when they called us back to set. So those poor people didn't get to eat their lunch and it just sat there and got cold while we were filming. So the moral of that story is bring your own food because you don't know when they're going to feed you. And if they do feed you, try to be at the front of the line because you have no idea how much time you're going to have to eat. If you're at the end of the line, you better eat fast because you can get called back to set at any moment. That's it. I promise.
Okay, so let me explain what that bell is that you just heard. That's the that's the warning bell. It's the same exact sound at every studio, and basically, they ring that bell at two points. They ring it just before they're about to start filming a scene, and then they ring it at the end after they've yelled cut, which means they're done filming the scene. So between those two bell rings, you're supposed to be very, very, very quiet because they're filming and they don't want to pick up extraneous noise. Um, what also happens in a lot of places is any doors that kind of get you into or out of a set will have like a red light above the door on both the inside and the outside. And if that red light is flashing, kind of like a, kind of like the, um, the lights on the top of a, of a police car, that means they're filming and you're not supposed to open that door while they're filming because these metal doors slam and make a lot of noise and they don't want that to get, you know, picked up um, with the sound that they're trying to capture for the scene as well. Um, today, there was none of that at, at this particular stage, just just the ring and the bell. So I thought I'd kind of throw that in there just so, so you'd hear what that sounds like um, again and again and again. It's, it's, it's a funny little sound and... Um, You'll get used to it, but just so you know what it is, if you've never heard them before, that's that's what the bell sounds like. I feel like I'm giving an Oscar speech here, but I wanted to end this episode by giving a special thanks to the five people that helped me out um, today on this particular project. Um, Jason, we were standing next to the table of Indian food in the dining room, uh, looking curiously at what looked like little uh, green breakfast sausage links. I don't think we ever figured out what they were. Joseph, for answering my questions about how to order lunch, even though I didn't end up getting lunch. Armand, for getting that uh, website stored on my iPhone so that I could easily find it going forward. Um, Ohana, we didn't get to catch up, but uh, you did help me tremendously back in December, and I thank you for that. And then finally, Chris, um, for getting me to the right building. Um, Without your help, I probably would have been sitting in that parking lot waiting for a long time for a van that may or may not have shown up. And if it did, it would have taken me to the wrong building, stage three instead of stage nine. So thanks for your help with that. And um, just paying it forward to anybody I run into in the future who's going to help me out in the same way. Thanks again. Time for a recap. It would be stupid of me to provide the cliff notes of all my stories here to serve as a summary. So instead, I'll highlight six points these stories serve to illustrate. And here they are. One, be prepared for things going wrong and don't let them ruin your day. This should be fun and only you can allow it to be a bad experience. Two, be resourceful in solving problems on your own. Your mother isn't helicoptering over your head waiting to save you. Three, talk to others. There's a good chance people around you experience the same thing. Learning from them can help you solve it or at least provide perspective on what worked and didn't work for them. Four, thank people for helping you. They're not obligated, and a kind gesture from a stranger can go a long way. Five, don't take it out on others. The root cause of the glitch may not be the fault of the person you're expressing your frustration to, so keep your emotions in check. Take a deep breath and remain calm. It doesn't do anyone any good if you run around throwing bad energy into the space. You don't want to be labeled Negative Nelly and become that villain we all love to hate on every season of The Bachelorette. You know, the person everyone in the house cannot stand? 
And six, don't overstep your bounds. You're not a paid consultant whose job it is to identify process gaps and then report back to the production company or casting company. As valiant as that might feel, it may not be appreciated or go over well. So stick to your lane. You're hired and paid to do background work, and that's all they expect you to do. This is hard for me because my corporate jobs paid me to fix things, so it's in my blood. It's difficult to lose myself and pretend to not be who I am. But that's what acting is, right? That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of The Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm back. I did forget one thing. I know, I know, I know. I promised I was done with this episode, but the one thing I forgot to mention that went terribly, terribly wrong was we were filming way, way up in Lumpkin County. <laughs> Literally, it was a year ago. I can't mention the name of the production because the show hasn't aired yet, but it was set in, I don't know, like a century ago. Oh, I talked about this in another episode about the slaves, whenever that was or whatever episode it was. So during part of the shoot, they basically set a house on fire and it took like three or four tries before they finally got all their pyrotechnics to work and the house to start going up in flames. But what was even more, what was even more disastrous was they wanted a bunch of us extras to go to this well thing of water and with wooden buckets and get buckets of water and try to put that fire out which was insane because it was January and the ground was covered with leaves. And if you don't know how slippery wet leaves can be, then you've got another thing coming. Plus they told us, this was so confusing. They told us not to get too near the fire because it was dangerous. So the sun people were gonna be directly in front of the fire and we were supposed to run up to the sun people and hand them the buckets of water. And the whole thing was just a fiasco. It didn't work. As soon as they yelled, you know, action, Everybody just grabbed buckets of water and ran over and tried to put the fire out and the stunt people were there and like we they were in the way and we were in the way and then there weren't enough buckets so you'd get back to the well and you'd have nothing to do once you got there or, or somebody was there and they would fill up a bucket and hand you a bucket and then you'd run with it. So my poor friend, Holly, Holly, if you hear this, I'm, I'm saying this um, <laughs> with great admiration for your determination to get the job done. She slipped and fell on her ass, <laughs> I think at least once, if not twice. And it wasn't funny at the time, but in retrospect, I'm just laughing because it, you know, it was just kind of a, it was kind of a disaster. Um, and she seriously could have, you know, taken some kind of action against the production company for not protecting her. But um she fell, and I'm sure she wasn't the only person who fell. So just be aware of that. They may ask you to do something that turns out to be quite dangerous to you, and you might get injured in the process. And if that happens, I'm not sure what you do, but I'm just letting you know it could happen to you.